All right, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to John chapter 3. We're going to be reading verses 16 through 21. I'm going to invite Patty up. She's going to come up and read for us. This is a text you're probably really familiar with, um, but go ahead and stand with us if you are able, out of respect for God's word, as Patty reads for us out of John chapter 3. Patty? The scripture today is John 3, verses 16 to 21. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. This is the word of God. You may be seated. Thanks, Patty. Pray with me. Father, we thank you so much for this text. It's one that um, most people are very familiar with, to hear from your, your heart that you so love the world that you sent your son. I mean, that, that's what Christmas is all about. And so, Lord, as we look at this text this morning, Lord, I certainly pray that you would give me words to speak, that you would um, um, open up our eyes and our hearts to see the glories of what this text means and the beauty of what it means for our lives. Father, I pray that if there's those in this space or that are listening online, that they've not seen the light of Jesus, that they've not seen the beauty of what this is and what this moment and season represents. Lord, I pray that you'd open their eyes to see it. Father, I pray that you'd open all of our eyes to see it more uh, because we can't ever fully grasp what it is that you've done for us. So Lord, be with us. Give us your favor. Guide us by your spirit. We pray and ask these things in your name. Amen. So I don't know if you've ever had opportunity to go um, out into a place uh, somewhere rural out in Kansas where there's no light pollution from a city uh, uh, or there's, there's, there's no lights from buildings and cars and all that kind of stuff. But if you've ever done that, like, you know, it gets pretty dark. I, I remember one time I specifically had an opportunity to, to go out, um, out into a field way out in Kansas because I wanted to take pictures as a photographer of the stars. And, and I knew it was going to be a great night because the moon wasn't even going to be out. So not only was there not any city lights, but the moon wasn't out. Um, and I got out there and it was completely cloud covered. And so if you've ever been in a night like that, like it is dark, dark, like no moon, no lights from the city, no stars because of clouds. Like it was uh, dark, dark. And, and I had looked at my little weather app and I was like, okay, well, it said the clouds are going to be going away. So I'm just going to wait around a little while. And so I did. And, and as I waited, there came a point where the clouds broke free and you could see a star pierce the darkness. And if you've ever seen that moment, you recognize that how, how powerful a light piercing that darkness is. Like it feels completely pitch black, but then when the clouds break and you see that little pinpoint of light, it's like, oh man, that is amazing. Now, now when I was preparing this sermon, I thought about that night. I, I thought about what this text in John uh, kind of points us to and reminds us that Jesus, as he came, he didn't come into a bright and sunny world. He came into a dark world. And you think about Rome and the first century and when Jesus came, you think about how dark it was in those days. Like, like, like people in Rome, like, like they weren't looking for a savior. 
They, they thought everything was great. Like this is almost at the height of the Roman Empire and things were going great and there was peace around Rome and, and there was security around Rome and, and Rome was uh, getting worse and worse in its morals, but people were le- leading lives and living lives where they believed them. I and just, ju- just go after your pleasures and seek your pleasures and, and that's the best thing. That was a, a virtue in Rome. And, and here's the thing, like people weren't looking for help. They didn't think they needed help. They were in darkness. The people in the Roman Empire weren't looking at themselves going like, oh man, like we need a savior to come and rescue and we need something. In fact, if you were to tell them that, that a baby was going to be born in one of the most backwater parts of the entire empire that was going to have an effect on their day-to-day lives, they would have thought you were crazy. They'd be like, we don't need that. We're not looking for that. Like, why does that even matter to us? They were in darkness. And the fact of the matter is, I think we're a lot more like they are than sometimes we'd like to admit. Let me just give you a couple of statistics that I think are kind of fascinating to help illuminate this idea for us. Um, I was looking at some recent research, and, and apparently 96% of Americans celebrate Christmas. So that's around 319 million people celebrating uh, Christmas. But out of that 319 million, Barner Research shows that only about 109 could be considered potentially born-again Christians. And so what Barna has discovered is there's lots of people out there who call themselves Christians, but when they ask certain questions to you know, certain important doctrines, like the doctrine of sin or the doctrine of, of the Son of God and the resurrection and Jesus dying for our sins, like there's a lot of people that don't believe that. And so Barna says that there's only about 109 million that kind of fall into that category. And what's even more fascinating is that out of that 109 million, other research is showing that only about 19 or 20 million of those actually have a biblical worldview. In other words, they see the world through the lenses of God's word. They see the world the way that God wants them to see the world. Now, that's fascinating because when you think about Christmas and you think about all the money that's spent and all the lights and all the presents and all the food and all of that, you think about how everybody in the United States seems to love this season and love all those things and love the rest and love the time off work and love the presents. What you start to recognize is that very few of them actually love Jesus, right? Like very few actually love Jesus. Jesus, or even really know what this is all about and why this is in such, a, such an important part of uh, so many people's lives. They love what Christmas is about in terms of the gifts and the fun, but they're not mindful of what it's all about. And, G- and, that, and that's Jesus. So I think we're very similar, that there's a lot more darkness in our world than oftentimes we'd like to think about or that we'd like to admit And so what I want to do this morning as we look at this text in John and as we look at this Christmas season is I want us to be mindful to think about darkness and light and what those two things mean. Meaning specifically, what does it mean? What does it look like if you're in darkness? And then what does it mean for us to say that Jesus is our light? And so we're going to start with asking that very question, asking and looking at the characteristics of those who are in darkness people who are in darkness, like in first century Rome or even so many people today? Well, first and foremost, what we see is that they love the darkness. 
That's what verse 19 says in John chapter 3. They love the darkness. They aren't looking for a way out of it. Now just think about that for a second. Most people in the darkness, they're not looking for a way out. They love the darkness. That's what this text says. They love it. They believe it's good. They believe it's where they need to be. They're living their lives after pleasure, and they're living their lives in the way they think that they should, and they're just going about. And it doesn't just, we're not just talking about like the worst of the worst people. We're talking about everybody who's in darkness. They, they love it. Now, when you think about that, it's easy for us to forget this, isn't it? I mean, oftentimes I think of non-believers and as a Christian, you think, well, man, surely you would want out of the darkness. And surely if we just share the light, like you'll want to leave the darkness. But most people don't. They love the darkness. They aren't looking for a way out. They're not looking for help. They may have a God-shaped hole in their heart, but they don't know what it is. And they're not looking for a savior. And they're not asking for someone to come and save them from their sins. They don't even see their own sins. They love them. And not only do they love the darkness, but they have no shame in the midst of their darkness. Listen to this text from Jeremiah chapter 6. As Jeremiah is talking about the people of his day in Israel, he says this. He says, were they ashamed when they committed abomination? He says, no. They were not at all ashamed. They did not know how to blush. Doesn't that sound like the world we live in? Like like people don't seem to know how to blush. Things that used to be something that you would hide in the dark are things that are celebrated now in our world. They're celebrated. They're championed. Man, we, we encourage people to live that way. They don't have shame though. They just do it out in the light. I mean, they just don't think that there's a need and, and they don't feel bad about living apart from Christ. I remember being a non-believer and I remember living this way. I, I remember not having shame and guilt about a lot of things that now I would have shame and guilt about. Now, sometimes I'd have some guilt and shame if like I disappointed my parents or I disappointed a teacher, but when it came to most areas of my life, like I just did what I wanted to do. I just lived my life. Like when I was in high school and we would make fun of a kid in school, I didn't toss and turn at night feeling guilt and shame over that. Like, in fact, it was like, it, it was funny, right? Like people laughed and it made my value higher and it made me feel more popular because people would um, get into that and engage with that. And so I didn't feel the weight of my shame. I do now, but before Jesus, like I just did that. It was just part of my life. And so many people, like they, they, don't, they don't carry shame and guilt over their sins. We would love them to carry some guilt and shame. We'd love them to feel bad, but they don't. They just go about their lives. And so not only do they love it, they love the darkness, but they don't feel shame. The third thing is, is that they oftentimes actually hate the light. We read this, te- we read this in our text this morning For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. See, here's the thing. People in Jesus' day, just like people now, they're running about their lives doing all kinds of things, wicked things. They're walking in contradiction to the way God has called them to, and they love those things because those things feel good. 
right? Like sin oftentimes feels good, doesn't it? To our flesh. Like it feels good to them. It promises all kinds of life and all kinds of satisfaction to them. It it promises all kinds of things to them, even though experiences would say something to the contrary. And when light comes, like in the form of Jesus, it shows those things to not actually be life-giving. It calls those things out. It seeks to expose those things and say, listen, you think it's fine and you think it's good, but it's not. And people in that darkness, they don't want that exposure. Right? It's like, man, why are you telling me this? I-, I was happy before you started telling me this. Like I was happy running around at the clubs before you started telling me about Jesus and a savior and sin. I was happy getting drunk. I was happy just uh, trying to make money in my business. And now you got to tell me that doing that in an un- without integrity is a bad thing. Like, like I was fine. Why are you telling me this? If you're in darkness, you tend to not like the light. I think this is why Jesus is so often offensive to most. Because he calls people to live a different kind of life. A life that's under his authority. A life that's under his guidance. A life that's under his direction. And when the light gets exposed and exposes that darkness that we're living in, like it makes us uncomfortable. I remember when I started walking faithfully with the Lord, like I had non-believing friends and they'd go out and they'd do stuff and I would always enjoy going out with them. But when I started walking with the Lord, it wasn't very long before they started saying things like, oh, well, we could go to that movie, but we can't because Darren's coming. Or they'd say, they say things like, oh, well, hey, let's go, to the, let's go to the club or whatever it is, but, but, but we can't because Darren's going to be there. Or, man, we should listen to this music. Or, well, we probably shouldn't do that because Darren's going to be in the car. Right? And I never said any of that stuff was wrong. I never pointed it out. I never told them they were going to, to hell for it. Like, just my presence started to make them uncomfortable. Right? Like just my presence started making it. And I started finding that they stopped inviting me to do that stuff. And so suddenly I was out on the, the outskirts of it. And I found myself not hanging out with those people anymore. This happens to me all the time uh, when I go on an airplane because I'll tend to sit by somebody. I'm not one of those like weird talkers that'll talk your ear off for eight hours. Pop, uh, contrary to popular belief, probably. But I tend to try to encounter and engage somebody next to me. And so I'll, I'll ask them, like, okay, what's your name? And where are you going? And what do you do? And, and they'll share and they'll talk about their life. And they'll talk about where they're going or where they just came from. And they'll start to talk about that. And oftentimes, in the midst of that, it says, sounds something like, well, I'm bleeping going here. And I bleep did this. And I bleep did that, right? And then it's, it's always hilarious when I say, when, when the, the conversation pauses and they go, oh, and what do you do? Oh, I'm a pastor. Man, they want to exit the conversation so fast. Like, you, ever, you ever been in a situation like that? Like, it happens that way for me because of what I do, but we know that's the case, right? Like, when the light is around darkness, darkness is like, nah, I don't like it. You may not be calling them out. You may not be telling them they're wrong, but they hate the light. Why is that? Why is it? It's because there's something spiritual about what Jesus has done in you. And it's why when people are in the midst of darkness, they're not okay with you just living your life. They want you to participate. Why don't you do it with us? 
Come on, join in. Because if you can join in, then you don't make them feel uncomfortable anymore. You don't, make, you don't bring about the exposure anymore. And this is what it's like to be in darkness. And some of us have forgotten this. Now, I'm going to ask um, here in just a second, um, if you would, if you've got to get up and go to the bathroom, hold on just a moment, because um, for the next couple of moments, I'm going to ask Brian to turn the lights in the room down. Uh, and, and I'm going to do this for a very particular reason, and I'll explain that. But Brian, go ahead and turn uh, the lights off, and, and don't panic. This is supposed to be this way. Now, now here's the deal. This room's not completely dark, right? Like, it, it isn't completely dark, but yet, nonetheless, like, this can make us feel uncomfortable, can't it? Like, it makes us feel uncomfortable because we live our lives in the midst of light, we see the things around us. We're used to recognizing the beauty around us. We're used to recognizing what dangers are around us and, and being mindful of those things. But now I want you to imagine if this is the world you were born into. Like this wouldn't feel uncomfortable at all because you would have learned to navigate it and you wouldn't know anything different. Like this would just be life. And you would have learned that, that what it's like to be in the darkness and the idea of light, someone might be able to explain it to you, but it doesn't make any sense because this is all you've ever known. Now, if that's the case, and this is all you've ever known, like you know what happens when someone brings the light into your eyes, right? How many of y'all like this? Like you don't like it, do you? Because we understand what light does. And we understand that when we're in the midst of darkness and suddenly someone shines it, like it feels painful to us, like because it exposes things and it doesn't feel right. This is what Jesus does when he comes into connection with darkness, isn't it? Like this is what Jesus does. This is what you feel every time your parents used to wake up, wake you up by flicking the lights on in the morning, right? Like this is, this is painful. And to some when they experience the light come into the darkness, they want to run from it. To others, this becomes something they are drawn to, something that they want to see. But this is what Jesus entering in the world did. He is light. He didn't come to condemn. He came to save. But the light pierces the darkness. Light pierces it. That's the thing about light. It's not passive. It's active. It enlightens things. It moves. It's a force. And as a result, for many people, it's painful. It's scary. It's something that they didn't ask for in the first place. In fact, it makes them feel bad. It makes them feel uncomfortable. It makes them recognize that they didn't do their hair in the morning or they got a stain on their shirt or whatever that looks like. And there's a lot of people in our world that are in danger of believing that the darkness is what's normal. And it's not. The darkness is a result of sin. And there's others, as the statistics I talked about earlier, who would recognize and believe that just because they can see the light, it means that they're in the light. And that's not true either. Brian, go ahead and bring up the lights. Now that I've thoroughly blinded everybody in the space. But the point is, we need to be reminded that when people are in the darkness, they oftentimes don't like the light. And Christmas is a reminder that the world was in darkness, but Jesus 
is the light. And you may be here today and you might think, man, like the people of Rome, that you don't care. You may not realize you're in darkness. You may not think that it's important. You may not think that you need the light at all. You might not even understand what it means to, for Jesus to be the light. And we're going to talk about that. But nonetheless, you have to recognize that Jesus said this about himself. John chapter 8, just a few chapters after this one, Jesus says this. He spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What does this mean for our lives? I mean, what does it really mean for our lives to say that Jesus is the light? Well, first and foremost, we recognize that it means that the light reveals a path, the path. You may be familiar with Jesus saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so the light reveals the path. Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The law and the word of God becomes the guide for us. And Jesus, who's born in a manger, as the word of God is a bodily, in bodily form, becomes the physical representation of that guide. That's why he says, if you follow me, you'll have the light of life. And you may say, but I'm not stumbling. I don't need another path. My, my path is fine. Like, I'm okay. Like, I'm not running into danger. I don't feel consequences from living in darkness. And you tell me all this stuff, but why, why does it matter? Like, I'm, I'm fine. I enjoyed the nightclub last night. And nothing bad happened. Like, it was fun. Like, what do we say in those people? Well, the, the problem is, is that that is assuming that your current experience, your current moment is a guarantee of your future position. Right? So, in other words, you believe that because right now you feel okay with where you're at, that that means that your future is going to be similar. So, I want to illustrate this. Um, so, I'm going to ask Brandon to come up. Brandon loves it when we um, use him as a volunteer, but I'm going to ask Brandon to come up. Um, and so, Brandon is going to represent all of those who might say this kind of a thing, that are in darkness. And so, come, Brandon, come on, man, don't be shy. All right, so um, Brandon, I need you to close your eyes and don't open them until I tell you to, which this is really awkward because he has no idea what I'm actually doing to him. Um, and so, like, he, but he has to trust me. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna turn Brandon around and I'm gonna kind of confuse him and all this. All right, now, so now Brandon is in darkness, right? And so Brandon might think he's okay, right? And so Brandon, here's what I need you to do. Keep your eyes closed. I need you to take a step forward. There you go. Now, Brandon's thinking everything's good. Everything's fine because the step he just took didn't end in any kind of consequence. Everything feels fine for him. Everything feels good. Like he's on stable ground. And so he thinks I'm, I'm okay. I'm all right. Brandon, go ahead and take another step. Look, he's still fine because he still feels that everything's good. And so he's like, man, there's no consequences of this problem. But what Brandon doesn't know because he can't see is that if he takes another step, he goes off the stage, right? You were supposed to keep your eyes closed. He didn't even trust me, right? 
But, but that's the point, right? Just because you think that what you're living in right now is okay and is safe, that doesn't mean that where it's leading you is. Because it's leading you to death. And that's the point. Brandon didn't know it. Brandon doesn't realize it. And Brandon thinks that everything is secure and safe, but he doesn't see the danger that's right in front of him. And if he keeps walking, he's going to fall off the stage. Jesus comes and he says, for God so loved Brandon that he's going to turn him away from the danger. And he's going to say, man, like open up the eyes and get off the stage. <laughs> right? Thank Brandon for, for being up here and trusting. But, but isn't this what Christmas is all about? See, God, God sends Jesus because he loves us, because he knows we're running off the edge of the stage, right? We're leading, we're headed towards death, and we're blind. We don't know it. We're in darkness. We think everything's fine, and we're just kind of bouncing around, doing the things that we do. And he comes and he says, for God so loved the world that he sent his son so that whoever would believe him would not perish but have everlasting life. Like He's saying, like, open up your eyes. Let me be the light for your path. Because if you follow me, I'm not taking you off the stage. I'm going to take you to somewhere safe. I'm going to take you to somewhere good, something far better than we could ever imagine if we're willing to trust him. But so many people aren't. They prefer the darkness. They prefer their own way, thinking they're okay. Matthew chapter 7 Jesus says this, that we should enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. So lots of people don't listen to Jesus. They don't want to see the light because it's just easier to keep doing what they're doing. It's just easier to keep going about their own way. It's easier to just always do what you've always done and to trust yourself. But yourself is always going to lead you off the stage. And Jesus came to be the light, not only to save us from the fall, not only to save us from the, the punishment or the consequence of our sins, but he came to give us a new path, a new way, a better path. So the light is the path, but the light is also life. So many people around the world, and they love their way, they love their sin, and they refuse to recognize that so many people are falling off the stage in front of them all the time, aren't they? Like because they love their sin so much, right? So, so you say, well, I believe that wealth, if I just get enough wealth, and that's going to give me true life. Like if I just hit this amount of money in my bank account, like that, so that'll be true life for me. And they don't see the realities that there's people all over the place that have millions and millions and millions of dollars and their life is full of discontentment and anxiety and fear. And they'll even, you'll see people commit suicide. So they're seeing them fall off the stage, but they're like, I don't care, I'm gonna keep running for wealth because that'll be different for me. Oh man, if I just get into that relationship with someone who's that attractive, man, that's gonna be life for me. And you don't recognize that there's people in Hollywood that, that get married and they're the most beautiful people in the world and their lives still end up in the nasty of, nastiest of divorces. They're falling off the stage and we just ignore it and say, well, it'll be different for me. 
It'll, it'll be different for me. Like, I'll, I'll have different life. I can find life somewhere else. Maybe it's drugs, maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's partying or traveling all the time or, or adventure. And they just keep cascading over the edge all the time, just doing what everybody else does, like lemmings running off a cliff. I love this cartoon. You see the one in the back saying, wait a minute, like something feels wrong. And then someone from the front says, shut up, you moron. Do as you've been told. It's for your own good. Or they just keep running down the path. Like it's fine. Like it's going to be great. Like, listen, church, like this is everybody in darkness. They're running off the cliff. And Jesus came not to, not to keep us from good things, but he came to give us the best of things. He came to give us life. Not just to, to point us away from the cliff. Right? Not to just take us away from this herd running towards the cliff, but to lead us to a pasture. A safe pasture. A good pasture. And he's the only one that can do that. I mean, and let me ask another question. Like, what, when you die... What is it that you want people to say about you? Now think about that. What do you want people to say about you? Do you want someone to stay up, stand up in your, at your funeral and say, man, like so-and-so, they were always at work and I never saw them. You know, they cared more about themselves than they did the people around them. And they were always anxious about things and they were always full of anger and they were always tense. I mean, they're always busy trying to find fun and entertainment at the expense of their family. Is that what you would want people to say about you when you die? None of us want that. You know what we all want? Everybody wants people to say about them, man, they were, they were kind and they were loving. Man, they meant so much to me. They were selfless and they were patient and they sought fun, but it was never at the expense of other people. And, and they, were, they were wonderful people. Like, that's what we want people to say. Do you know the only person that can make you like that is Jesus. He's the only one that can actually help you find what it is that we are really meant to be and what life should really be. He's the light of the world. He is the light that gives us life. But he's also a light that gives us belonging Paul, one of Jesus' earliest followers and a writer of the book of Thessalonians, says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. Jesus gives us the right to become God's children, to be his, to be part of a community of people who seek to love one another because he has loved them. Listen, I know that the church isn't perfect. Like we're full of all kinds of messy and broken people, aren't we? Like we hurt each other, we say things we shouldn't say, but here's what's different between us and the rest of the world. Out in the world, people are just scrambling around in the darkness, bouncing off of each other, doing all kinds of different things. Within the church, like we're in the light. We get to see one another, we get to know one another, and we're all in the light of Jesus because we all belong as part of his family. And this, that is unique to the church, nowhere else in the world. And Jesus provides that for us. But the light also gives us purpose. You know, all purpose and value that you find apart from Jesus is going to leave you hopeless. You ever think about that? 
All purpose and value that you find apart from Jesus is going to leave you hopeless. If your, if your purpose in life is to become famous, sooner or later, even if you reach the pinnacle, everybody is going to forget your name. If your if your whole purpose in life is to be known as the most beautiful person in the world, sooner or later, age is going to catch up to you, right? It is. Even if you're like Dolly Parton singing at the halftime show of the, the Dallas Cowboys games, everybody's like, that's weird and something's wrong. Right? Because age, it just catches up to you. You're going to lose it. It's going to go away from you at some point. If, if your whole purpose in life, young people, is to find fun and adventure and the adrenaline rush, listen, the mundane will come. It will come. You're going to have to stand in front of a sink and do dishes. You're going to have to have, figure out how, how to have a life because it's not, going, it's not going to be able to be sustained for all of your life. If your purpose and your life and your value is found in sports, sooner or later, someone's going to be better than you. Someone's going to break your record. Sooner or later, like you're going to try to get out on the basketball court and you're going to be like, oh, my body can't do what my brain wants to do. Literally, right? Everything you put your purpose in, everything you find your value in is going to leave you hopeless except the purpose Jesus gives us. And what is that purpose? Matthew 5, Jesus tells us, you are the light of the world. You're a city set on a hill and it cannot be hidden. If you are a true disciple, you realize that you are the light of the world. That is a purpose that you will have until the day you die. And it's a purpose you can live in in your 90s. It's a purpose that you can live in when you're 16. It's a purpose that you can live in every day of your life. And every day that you bear light for the kingdom of God, you're going to be able to bear fruit that will give you an inheritance that is eternal. Like, that's a purpose that never leaves us. And Jesus gives that to us. Because you can't be light without Jesus. But Christian, we need to be reminded, light is active, remember? Like it's not passive, like it's a force, it enlightens. And when it enters into darkness, that light is either becomes a source of hope or a cause of pain. And if we as the church, or you as an individual, are not causing either among people who are in the darkness, you need to consider why you're shining so bright or so dimly. Does it make sense? Like if you are a believer of Jesus Christ and you're out in the world and you're out in the dark darkness and nobody recognizes your light, shouldn't that be a concern for you? Like, shouldn't you start to ask the question, like, why am I not causing some sort of a reaction in people? Like, why is my life not doing that? Why aren't people being drawn to me in hope, asking, like, what is the hope that you have? Why are people not being made dis uncomfortable because of your presence? And maybe it's because you've compromised too much. Maybe it's because you've hidden your light. And we need to be reminded because this is the whole purpose that we have, church, Maybe it's because you're spending too much of your time in bright places. Ever think about that? 
Like this flashlight isn't as bright right now, is it? I mean, some of you. Why? Because there's other light around the space. But man, you go into the darkness and this gets really bright. So if you're a Christian and you're going to yourself, man, I don't, I don't really feel people reacting to me and my presence and my, my testimony. Like you need to ask, it's one of three things. Either you're around way too many Christians and you're not around anybody who's in the darkness or two, your light may not be all that bright. You might look a little bit too much like the world. So here's a couple of things. As we walk away this morning, I, want you, I wanted you to know what darkness looks like. I wanted you to think about what darkness is. I want us to be mindful that the people that are out in this world that are in darkness, they don't necessarily want Jesus. And that's okay. Because they can still experience him in you. But we want to see what darkness is. But we also want to understand what light is and what it means to live in the light. And knowing that and seeing what darkness is and the comfort that can come when, it, when light comes into our lives, like we want to encourage us to, to share the gospel. But there's three things I want you to consider as we walk away. The first thing is this. If you've seen the light, the question is, are you walking in the light? Again, when you're around people who are walking faithfully, how does it make you feel? How does it make you feel when someone's walking faithfully? Does it make you feel uncomfortable? Do you want to try to get them to do the things you're doing because it's easier than making them make you feel uncomfortable? Like, like do you say, oh, I'd like to watch that movie, but I don't want to, or I can't because they're coming over? Like, think about that. How do faithful Christians, those that you know are walking in the light more than anybody else, how do they make you feel? When you read God's word, how does it make you feel? Does it shine a light on you? Does it bring shame? Does it bring guilt? Does it, does, do you see yourself? What evidence do you have? You know that you're on a path walking towards truth. Listen, if, if your life isn't full of the truth of God, I want to just say, like, I don't want you to walk away Christmas season without looking at the light. If you're somebody who sees the light, but you're not in the light, and so you don't, you don't have the light in you. Like, I, I want you to recognize the light and actually run to Jesus in faith. And I want you to turn to the light. That's the second thing I want to ask. And I know that can feel really hard. I've met people who would say, I know that Jesus is true. And I know about the resurrection and I know Easter, but I'm just not ready to give up my life. I'm just not ready to sacrifice. Listen, to turn to the light will mean you have to lay some things down. You know what it means? It means you have to ultimately die. But you won't find true life. You won't find the true path. You won't find any of those things unless you lay those things down. And it may feel terrifying. You may not know what it all means, but I can promise you this, as can everybody else who has ever turned to the light, he will not let you down. He won't. You will find him to be faithful in everything. And then the last thing I would ask you to consider this morning is this. How bright is your light shining? Have you compromised? 
Do those who are in darkness see the light in you? Do they hear it in the things you say? Do they see it in the way you live? Do they see it in the way that you treat the people around you? Do they see it reflected in your family? Do they see it reflected in your checkbook, which I know none of you use anymore? Right? But, but do they see it in the way that you engage the world? Do they see the light in you? Do they see it by what you watch and what you don't watch, by what you listen to and what you don't listen to? Do they see the light? Because if they don't, you're missing out on the purpose that God has called you to. And so I want you to consider those things this morning as we close our time. I'm going to invite Ryan to come out. He's going to lead us in a song. And as we sing this song, like, I just want you to consider those things. Consider, are you walking in light? Have you seen the light? Consider to turn to the light if you haven't. Consider how bright are you shining? Because here's the truth. And I just want to read this text again, brothers and sisters, as we stand and we sing this song together. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world, not, not because he hated it or he wanted to condemn it or because he was angry at it. God so loved the world, he gave us his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So that they won't fall off the stage but they'll have eternal life. For God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than light because their, evil, their deeds were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds be exposed. As we sing this song, I just want to ask the question, are you here this morning and you have not come to the light? God so loved you that he sent his son to die for you, to redeem you. And we want to just make sure you have an opportunity this Christmas season, if that's you and you've been delaying that, or maybe you've, you've, not wanted to have anything to do with it, but we just want to make sure you have the opportunity. And so as we sing this song, there's going to be uh, pastors, there's going to be elders, prayer counselors up at the front. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to just simply introduce you to the light of the world. Help you walk in that. And walk with others in that so that you're not alone. I want you to consider your light. Is it bright this season? Is your light as bright as it should be? So Father, we, we thank you for this text. It's a text that so many of us know. And yet I think, at least for me, it's easy for us to forget just how brilliant the entrance of your son into this world was and is. Father, I wanna pray right now for those that are in darkness those that may be in this room that are in darkness, those that may be listening online who are in darkness, those that are outside in this world that, that have no knowledge that we're even here this morning, but they're in darkness. Lord, we, we pray as your people, even though they're not looking for a savior, even though they love the darkness, Lord, would you by your spirit this season open their eyes to see the light? 
Father, I pray that, that you would open eyes of any in darkness in this room to see the light this morning. That they may be saved. Father, I pray for us as a church that as we consider these things, that Lord, if, if we have compromised in our own lives, if we are not shining as bright as we can be and we should be, Lord, I pray that you would convict our hearts and you would help us to lay those things down and truly walk in the light that we might reflect your glory to those around us that are in darkness. That we could be part of the work that you're doing in this world. I pray, Father, that you'd bring us to that kind of repentance. I pray and ask these things in your name.